talking sports with a passion only Philly fans can comprehend. It's the Brotherly Love Podcast. Philadelphia fans, boo. We do it better than anybody else, I'd like to think. And I wear it like a badge of honor. How can we judge a guy? How can we honestly assess his quarterback play when he's just given some of the most terrible weapons the NFL has ever seen? Here are your hosts. This is one of the more disappointing outcomes for a Philadelphia sports team in the last decade. And John Mita. But Ben Simmons, my God, learn how to shoot. It is the Brotherly Love Podcast on all of your podcast platforms. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Our final episode, I would think, of 2020. And uh, we are recording live and in person, socially distanced, I'd say like a half acceptable distance, probably three and a half feet between me and the large man, John Mita. John no. Mita, how are you, buddy? Large man no more, Joe. We, uh, well, we length. Are, you got good length to you. Yeah, the length You're will still always be there. But uh, we do not have masks on, so for all you mask creatures out there, <laughs> um, I'm sorry. Um, we don't have them on, but trust me, we're in good company here, and uh Recording in a beautiful room with a great picturesque scenery in the background. Yeah, I'm now sliding further away from you. Uh, we are on Rockingham Road. Is it at 328 we're at today? Absolutely. Wouldn't yeah. have it any other way. So my, my old address for 40 days. Props to Keith, Michael, 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 Michaels for uh, allowing us to uh, record in the spare bedroom. An impromptu podcast. And uh, we're going to dive into a few things. We honestly, this will be as about off the cuff as it gets. We haven't really discussed too much about what we want to talk about. You and I have uh, just said, screw it. It's Dallas week. Go Birds. Let's get something out for the peeps. So uh, again, Merry Christmas, everybody. Happy holidays. And, uh, well, boy, Sixers opener tonight. That's right. Eagles-Cowboys Sunday. The Wentz-Hurts drama isn't going anywhere. The Phillies have hired a GM, so I'm sure we'll just kind of bounce around and touch on all of them. Again, follow us on Twitter at BelovePodcast. I'm really sick of the Wentz-Hurts drama already. I don't know where you're at on that. We'll get there. Uh, but let's start with your 10-9-8-76ers. It gets real tonight. Their season opener, will they win by 50 or more? And how many games do they win this year? That's a great question. Well, which... People that follow basketball, I'm sure you guys all know that the season has now been condensed down to 73 games. So, I think it's very possible for them to go 50-23. and 23. I think that's a good mark. They're talented. They have a decent bench. The signings of Dwight Howard, the drafting of Tyrese Maxey looks like a young, one of the most, pro- he's probably the most promising rookie that I can think of in, in a really long time. I can't even name a rookie that I was this excited about. So he's going to earn some some time off the bench. And this is going to be a deep team. I think the one thing that I'm kind of looking forward to is can Tobias Harris play his best basketball like he did for the Los Angeles Clippers under Doc Rivers? Because he's going to be the key. You know, he's getting paid as like a $35 million player, and he's probably only a $20 million player. But I think he's going to be key. I mean, can he average 22 points a game? Is Ben going to be aggressive? Now that he's been surrounded by shooters, and I think I think the one thing, too, that, that is going to help, and we're going to see if it lights a fire under Ben. People all know that the trade rumors have been out there with James Harden. I know Doc Rivers and Ben Simmons had a long conversation after those rumors kind of broke 
So let's see if it lights a fire under him. Joel Embiid looks like he's in decent shape. Obviously, the, the two-game preseason sample size is not very much to go on, but I'm really excited about this. If you saw how things ended in the bubble last year, we're like, wow, this team is broken. Where are they going to go from here? And then through the magic carpet, Daryl Morey comes in. Doc Rivers gets, low by, uh, gets let go by the Clippers. And we have a new general manager, new head coach, and there's nothing uh, to go you know, to, to the mountaintop from here. So I expect them to be contenders. I expect them, if everything plays out well, they have a legitimate shot to get to the Eastern Conference Finals where, believe me, if you were to ask me that at the end of last season, I would tell you no way in hell. And I would also tell you that there's no way that we're going to be wearing masks indoors as well. <laughs> you think 50 wins? I, I think mean, it's- 50 and 22 is... It's a pretty good record. I mean, that that would be on pace for what, probably, f- you know, fifty five wins or fifty seven wins in a in a full length schedule. So, um, all right, well, we'll see. Well, they kick off tonight. I, you know, I defer to you on these sorts of things. I think they're going to be much improved. I think the coaching staff alone alone is going to help That's them huge. to a few extra wins. It always comes down to Embiid and Simmons, and I know that the shooting help will certainly help those guys space the floor and all those sorts of things. But if they can get it done on the defensive end, if they can gel quickly, that's the big key, right? Where they have two preseason games. Right. So, you know, figuring out the pieces, how they work, the rotation, and getting comfortable with each other on the court may be as important as anything for this team, given the shortened and kind of condensed preseason. So, all right, I'll uh, I'll go with your 50, and I'll, I'll sign off. I'll countersign that. Um, tonight, do they just blow Washington, the Wizards, right out of the water? Oh, yeah. I think they win by 20 tonight. Win by 20. All There's right. no place like home. I mean, that was the one thing last year. Obviously, not having any fans in the stands is going to be a huge difference. But I'm sure they're going to pump in some fantastic artificial crowd noise. So, they love playing at home, and we'll see what happens. All right, John Mead is on the record. 50 wins and a 20-point-plus victory on opening night. Um, I like where your head's at. I like the positivity. We need a little bit of that because, as we know, the Phillies have been a grease fire. Shit. The Eagles season has been pretty much in the toilet from the word go. Uh, we do have a return to the National Hockey League that's official. The schedule is out. The NHL will start January 13th. The Flyers have a bear of a division. Uh, you're only going to play within your division. You're going to have to be in the top four to get in. And it ain't going to be easy, which is, you know... Without the wild card and looking at some of the other options, like you, you got to take care of business in your division. And look, I think this team's really good. We talked about it. But when you look at how the Flyers are going to have to get there, there's going to be a couple of good teams that aren't going to be in the mix, right? They're going to play in this new Eastern division. All right, you got the Flyers, the Penguins, the Caps, the Bruins. And the Rangers, the Islanders, there's six teams right there that are all damn good. All playoff teams. Yeah. So you're already talking about two of those teams missed the cut. That doesn't factor in Buffalo, who can't be any worse. And the New Jersey Devils, who, again, I feel like can't be any worse. You know, teams that you would think are getting better just because they pretty much have bottomed out over the last couple years. Uh, So there are going to be some good hockey teams that don't get in from the Eastern Division, and 
What's really interesting is the North Division is the All-Canadian Division. So you're going to have these rivals just beating the snot out of each other all year long. Calgary, Edmonton, Montreal, Ottawa, Toronto, Vancouver, Winnipeg. You want to talk about an absolute, like, a, a Canadian's dream is to have all the Canadian teams in the division. Now, not having fans, as you touched on with the NBA, is going to be way different. We'll see how that shakes out. But Hockey Night in Canada and the TV viewing like the ratings in in Canada for these Canadian all Canadian matchups are probably going to shatter records up there because it's going to be rivalry night every night. You know, it's a battle of the provinces, the battle of Alberta, which is always so good. Calgary and Edmonton. Now you're going to have that like pretty much twice a <laughs> twice a week. So uh, there'll be bad blood for sure. Looking forward to the NHL getting going on January the thirteenth. The West Division is certainly a hodgepodge. It's got Minnesota, it's got St. Louis, and then Vegas, Colorado, Arizona, and Anaheim, uh, San Jose, and then the Central, you got Tampa, Nashville, Florida, Detroit, Dallas, Columbus, Chicago, and Carolina. Um, That's also a good division when you consider you've got Dallas, Nashville, and Tampa in there. You know, three teams you expect to make the postseason. And there's basically going to be one more spot then for Detroit, Florida, Chicago, uh, Columbus and Carolina. So, NHL returning January thirteenth. Excited about that. NBA kicks off tonight. Are they going to be playing in like pods? No, nope. no. Everyone's in their home building. Yeah, right? everybody's in their home building. Gotcha. Um, they're doing. You know, you will see some interesting scheduling scenarios. I think where you're going to see a lot of home and homes, or maybe right. two games somewhere. Uh, just try and keep down the. Travel. I guess the exposure and the yeah. travel. Yeah, certainly. Uh, again, Brotherly Love Podcast on Twitter at Love Podcast. John Mita, before we jump into the Eagles, I go well, ahead. Hold on, let me just touch on just ask you about hockey because you're a guy. Um, as far as free agency, I mean, is that over? Is that done? Like, it, did it ever get started? I mean, like, yeah, it was right after the draft in October. Right. Um, the Flyers weren't very active because right. they didn't have a lot of space in the cap. They signed Eric Gustafson, right? Uh, the offensive-minded sort of smaller-sized defenseman. Obviously, they lost Matt Niskanen to retirement. I uh, got a little inside scoop here. Niskanen got off the plane coming back from the bubble. So the Flyers been there 60 days, whatever. They yeah. lose out. Disappointing, obviously, to follow the Islanders. They got off the plane. Um, I don't think they chartered back as a group because I think guys went home. Yeah. So if, it, if I understand it correctly, Mike Yo, who has a residence in Minnesota, former Minnesota coach, and Matt Niskanen, who lives in Minnesota on some huge property and just eats up that, you know, that yeah. lifestyle. Yeah. He, you know, they get off the plane and he told Mike, yo, I'm done. And Yosey was like, huh? And he's like, I'm retiring. Like, yeah, so of course, it. Mike, yo, was like, hey, give it some time. Let's talk. Yeah. And, and Chuck Fletcher got on the horn with Matt Niskanen the next day. And he said, yeah, I'm, I'm done. So that's how that went down. Interesting. They were caught off guard, and certainly it's a huge loss. What he meant for Ivan Provorov was well documented. Uh, But from my my sources, Flyers sources, they were certainly caught off guard by the Niskanen retirement, and that's how it all shook down. He he just got off the plane and said, leaned in the coach's ear and said, I'm done. Now what about trade? Weren't they they going to trade for who's the guy from? Patrick Laine. Yeah, from Winnipeg. He's still there. He stayed put. Um, you know, one point, once upon a time, we were going to go through the my off-season plan for the Flyers, and now all of a sudden the season's starting up again. I had, you know... Kinda, I just feel I, like this team is lacking one other yeah, offensive player. Yeah, and I, they need one other forward. I just think... Well, they have him, but I don't know if he's going to play, and that's Nolan Patrick. Yeah. You know, yeah. is Nolan Patrick 
give you anything this year. Yeah, if yeah. it's 20 games or 40 games or all 56 or whatever they're going to play, um, that's huge for this team. You know, he is not completely over the headaches and the migraine issues, and he's gotten better. And, yes, he's on the ice, and he's in Philadelphia with all of his teammates that got there early. I think he got in about a week or ten days ago. Um, but, again, my sources tell me that uh, there's still very much to be uh, – you know, if you're reading reports that Nolan Patrick is going to be ready for the season opener or Chuck Fletcher is quoted today saying he looks good, he feels good, and he's on track to be ready, I, I, I don't think that any of that's true. Yeah, yeah, so all right, it'll be interesting to see. But he would be that piece that you're talking about, right? They do need that one more score, or they need, yeah. you know, in the case of losing um, Niskanen, they need some defensemen to step up. Sandheim and Myers are going to have to have big years. Um, all right, Johnny, me before we jump into the birds and it's Dallas sucks weeks uh, week, I got to ask you off the cuff here, a little on the fly. What is your favorite Christmas movie of all time? Christmas vacation, bar none, Chevy Chase. I mean, I'll never forget. My mom took me, my brother, in a in a in a regular listen to the BL podcast, Danny Hampshire, and the three of us went to see that movie at the Bryn Mawr Movie Theater be, before it came some hush posh movie theater that it is now. <laughs> but uh, man, just a classic. I mean, the sledding scene, Uncle Eddie clearing things out. I mean, it's just one of the ultimate. I would say my two favorites are that and Die Hard. I mean, some people so don't consider... So you do put Die Hard in as a Christmas movie. I too, man. It's, you know, there's nothing better than Nakatomi Plaza. Come on now. I, um, you know me, I don't get into the whole spirit thing very much. Some would call me a Grinch or Scrooge. <laughs> but I, if I'm going to pick a Christmas movie, I'm going Home Alone. Yeah, Home Alone's good. You know? Did they, they made a second one, didn't they? Oh, I think they were up to three. Oh, yeah. talk about brutal. Yeah, yeah. Uh, by the, the way, Mike, the, the Mighty Ducks, speaking of movies, Mighty Ducks is making a reboot. Oh, uh, here we go. So, stay tuned for that. I don't know if Goldberg will be in it. Nah, I was just thinking that myself. Goldberg's on a long road, man. Yeah. Godspeed to him. All right, John Mead, it's Dallas week. Cowboys suck. We know it. Um, I told you a couple weeks back I wanted one thing the rest of the year. I wanted one more win. I won against Dallas. Then the Eagles went out and beat the Saints. They lose to Arizona. Uh, by a touchdown, 33-26. You know, they, uh, the punter, Cam Johnson, gets hurt. They get a bad snap on a PAT because he's usually the holder. They had a blocked punt. Uh, the special teams were a disaster. Uh, it was a frustrating loss. But Jalen Hurts obviously showed some things, and now everybody in Philadelphia nationally is on this, this Hurts train that he is the next coming of Russell Wilson or Dak Prescott or whoever. Name your athletic, you know, bigger-sized African-American quarterback. And he's basically, get, he's basically getting, you know, comparisons. Um, quickly on the Cardinals game, what would you see? Well, I saw the uh, just a special teams disaster. If anybody heard the Dave Fipp interview, my God, that guy sounds like a stoner. I can't believe he even <laughs> coaches special teams. I mean, they asked him questions, and he was like, my guys just uh, weren't prepared enough. Well, what do you do all week Yeah, if not to get yourself prepared? Well, by the way, Marcus Epps, according to John Ritchie on WIP, was the, you know, the, main, uh, the main man to blame on the punt block. He just totally watched his guy run past him. Uh-huh. And the fake punt. 
it was also him as sort of the safety valve, yeah. and the tight end ran right past him. So Marcus Epps made a couple of nice plays in the game in the secondary, but I think he now thinks he's a safety and not a special teams ace. And if you're not focused on every snap, that's what happens in the National Football League. Yeah, it was. I mean, listen, it, those were two two you know integral plays that, that cost his team points. I mean, if you take, I mean, they just got set up, and and that that fake punt was a play that kind of kept their momentum alive because yeah. if the Eagles were able to get off the field in that situation, they generally had the momentum going forward. What I see, Jalen Hurts. Listen, there is no if ands buts about it. The guy played extremely well. He was throwing the ball well. He was using his legs. He was making good decisions with the football, and he wasn't turning the football over. I think that's the biggest thing. He's played now. He's had some turnovers in some of the other games he's played in, but he really safety. did. A, yeah, the safety. Well, well, exactly. I, I opened that up, and then that is essentially a turnover. Um, so it started out rough, but he showed a lot of moxie to bring the team back. Made some good throws to Greg Ward. The balls were coming out on time. Uh, he was hitting people in stride. Um, again, it, it's just a little mind-blowing that this team just plays harder. And out of the witness protection program, here comes number 17. Alshon Jeffrey looked like he got the COVID injection in his butt. <laughs> it was incredible. He's blowing by Patrick Peterson, one of the best corners in the league. All of a sudden... Alshon Jeffries on his horse. He's making these he's drawing penalties. It was just incredible to me. But listen, the kid played well. What I can say from that standpoint. Again, let's uh, look at the other side of the football because defensively, Jim Shorts continues to get shredded week after week. Oh, come on. By man. number one wide receivers. You can't put this on Jim Schwartz. How about Michael double teaming? DeAndre Hopkins is a, is a classic idea. The guy had, what, nine receptions, 169 yards, and a touchdown? Like, hello? You've got to double-team this guy. Make somebody else beat you. Make old Larry Fitzgerald beat you. Still a stalwart. And what a gem of what a, a wide receiver for his career. Yeah. But the next person was Dan Arnold with five targets Oof. after DeAndre Hopkins. So... Jim, wake up and smell the door as it hits you in the ass because I can't wait to see you get released at the end of the season. If there is a football guy listening out there, if they could bring that Christmas present home for the big guy, that would be where I'd start immediately. You hate Jim Schwartz. I, love I do. Him. I do. I, I, I can't stand him. And, and I, You know what I can't stand? I can't stand this technique of, oh. okay, we're just going to, shadow the body of the man but we'll never turn our head and possibly locate the football that either is going to hit us in the face in our helmet or perhaps land right in our arms if we just turn around and look at the damn football still no interceptions by an eagles cornerback through 15 games 14 games okay like well you're right, and you bring up a fantastic point because it's hard to it's hard to go a whole as a defensive back yeah. if you're not looking for yeah. it. It's it's hard to go a whole season without a pick by one of your cornerbacks. Let's be honest. Uh, I got a couple things in the Cardinals game: dumb penalties. Oh, yeah, yeah, dumb penalties. So, let, let me just say, tell you one defensive back that kind of showed a little something: Michael Jaquette. Yeah. I mean, I don't know where the hell we got him from, but he listen. 
He's kind of a longer corner. He he showed some flash. He made some big plays. And your boy Jimmy Schwartz, I just read an article before you popped over, John and Mita. He's pumping Chiquette's tires saying that, uh, you know, he's got that confidence. And if he gets beat on a play, it doesn't doesn't rattle him. You know what else he's often said that about? Jalen Mills. Jalen Mills. There he goes. Another. You know, that short-term memory loss. So now we're going to get the finger wag from Jaquette when oh, he gets beat nice. on a 70-yard pass. There we go. Um... You know, the, the penalties were driving me crazy. They didn't appear ready to play. And I, you know, my notepad, as we're driving cross country, I'm watching the game on internet stream. I'm like, fire the coach. I can't stand the slow starts. I, yeah, just, I'm, I'm with it. Like, where is that coming from? Why are they not ready to play? And then we're going to catch fire in December, like it went out our games, and then we limp into the playoffs and a nice 7-8-1 record or something. Is that even possible? It is possible. Oh, yeah, if they win these last Carolina's right? got to beat Washington this There's weekend. We four wins or f- four? Four wins. So we're four, eight, and one. So the best if, we can do is six, eight, and one. If Carolina, seven, eight. Yeah, four, nine, and one. So they can get the six, they can get the six nine, and one. Yeah, six, nine, um, and one. You know, you you have to, you have to hope, obviously. I don't, I don't even know if we want this, but Carolina's got to beat Washington this weekend. Uh, the Eagles have to beat the Cowboys. And then the Eagles would have to beat the Washington football team, and I think Dallas would have to lose. The Giants already have nine losses, so I'm not sure what their path is. But tough loss against the Cardinals. Too many negative plays. Too many mistakes to beat a team with that type of offense, you know, for we- from a weapon standpoint, and a pretty athletic defense. Uh, a couple more things for me. Matt Pryor's terrible. Um, oh, here we go. Oh, Derek Matt Barnett. Pryor. Oh, Let's talk about third. Can we just cut him? Seriously. Well, Joe, we would. There's several people that we would love to. He's cut. so cheap. He's always been a dirty player. I, his entire career. Right. Twisting and ankles on tackles and boneheaded penalties. You know, he he takes that dumb penalty and two plays later it's a touchdown. Every two games, he's good for a stupid roughing the passer. Yep. Um, what else? Um, unsportsmanlike conduct. It, it, it just gets old. And again, these aren't five-yard penalties. These are 15-yard penalties. Yeah. And they always seem to come up in crucial moments of the game. The guy's just an idiot. Defense. I mean, once I saw the play, I was like, yeah, what are you I doing? know exactly who that is. That was Derek Barnett. Yeah. No, no other person's that dumb yeah. to, 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 to make a play like that. Defense came up with some turnovers, some pass breakups on third down, which is like a rarity. You know, actually getting your hand in on the football to break up a pass. Uh, I thought the defense handled the screens and misdirection game pretty well. Uh, but DeAndre Hopkins with that catch, that huge catch. It was a third and eight late in the game. Uh, catch and run. You know, he had that jump ball, that 50-50 ball. Like, when, when are the Eagles defensive backs, or receivers for that matter, going to win a 50-50 ball? Um all right, a couple more things for you, John Mead. I want to throw these your way. Alshon Jeffrey led the Eagles wide receivers in snaps on Sunday. Quez Watkins had more than Travis Fulgham. The Quez. The Quez, man. What are we doing here? I, I don't understand. Like, people said, from what I understand, from what, if you read different articles, it's Travis Fulgham, if they roll coverage his way, he can't get open, or some other bull crap answer. My whole thing is this. This is why you have a wide receiver coach. The fact of the matter is this guy is still the leading wide receiver on the team. Yeah. So why is his snaps under 10? Yeah. Who? The, I think what we need to ask ourselves and the question we need to 
is who is making the decisions, okay? On who suits up, who plays, how long they play for, because this is just a mind-blower to me. Yeah. And he has more touchdown receptions than anybody on the team. Well, let me ask you when this When it comes now. to wide receivers. And this is a little bit more rhetorical, but I jotted this down in the old trusty notepad. What does it say about J-Jaw, right? J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. What's it say about Ortega-Whiteside when Fulgham is now the guy that's relegated just a few snaps and jumping on fumbles? <laughs> Remember J-Jaw jumped on the Miles Sanders fumble oh, yeah. for a touchdown? Best place in his career, right. bar none. And and now we're and now basically Fulgham is relegated to that ten snaps a game, blocking wide receiver. So why is Ortega Whiteside not even having an impact or getting set? Like John Hightower, witness protection. JJ Ortega Whiteside doesn't even dress. I, I just if if these guys if Fulgham's not giving you anything, all of a sudden. And Quez Watkins, for a large part of the season, was either not dressed or not giving you anything. Like, what am I missing here? Why are, why are these guys unable to even get on the field? I know they stink, but, like, what happened? And, like, it seems like Rager, like, disappeared towards the end. Yeah, okay. Like, all the Perfect, sun, Perfect right? way to go. Because right. one of the things I jotted down, uh, we'll just go right there. What do you make of Jalen Rager? Well, coming in, it was like, all right, he's got a ton of speed. A ton of speed. And I haven't I just, seen it. I, I don't see the separation. I don't see him blowing by anybody. I feel like, and, and again, I don't know if that's also because he's just not, he's not, he doesn't have the development when it comes to stemming a route. And when I refer to stemming a route, it means kind of what you're doing to, to set people up. How you're finishing routes, you know? Come back for the ball. Come back for the yeah. ball. Like, shaking somebody, going in different, change of direction, lateral movement. I, I just don't. I don't see it. You know what I do see? I see Justin Jefferson making the Pro Bowl as a rookie. That's what I do see. There's our Justin Jefferson update. Okay, another 100-yard receiving day out of J-Jets. Okay, and we're stuck with Jalen damn Rieger. All right? God. I, I don't on, make I much bring it up. up. I mean, listen. like I got to bring it up. I got to find it. I know I'm, I'll find it here. I mean, listen. Like, I think... I'm not I'm not sold that he's not going to be a decent player, but I think at best he's a number 2 wide receiver at best. And listen, when you draft first round draft picks, you don't draft first round draft picks, okay, to become number 1 wide receivers. Okay? So now here, Howie, listen up, How. Uncle Howie, listen up. Here's the deal. If we lose these two games in the next coming weeks, and we're in the top seven, okay? I'm going to give you a clue on who we need to draft. His name is Devontae Smith. He's a wide receiver from Alabama. You either draft him or you draft Jamar Chase from LSU. It's real simple. You need to find a number one wide receiver for this football team. Because Deshaun Jackson and Alshon Jeffrey out of the crypt are not going to get it done. I don't care. We need to get that guy. So we're going to be up in the top half of the draft. And again, we shouldn't be able to screw it up, even though I'm worried to death that we will, because you're just you're just good for it, Howie. You're real good <laughs> for it. But Devontae Smith, Jamar Chase. I wanted Micah Parsons, but somebody kind of has talked me out of it that the guy might be a serial killer. So what can I say? Justin Jefferson is the highest graded rookie on offense in the NFL, according to Pro Football Focus, ding, 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 at 90.2. Uh, he also has made the Pro Bowl, as you alluded to. He has 
73 catches on the year, over 1,100 yards, seven touchdowns. And I'm pretty sure, I just saw earlier today, I can't find it right now, that he has the fourth most wide receiver yards by a rookie in NFL history. Um, Moss more, is on that list. He's got more 100-yard games than Randy Moss as a rookie. Wow. Yeah. Justin Jefferson, the first rookie wide receiver to be selected to the Pro Bowl since Amari Cooper in 2015. He was on the board. Okay, what, um, let, let me ask you a question, Joe. What, what, Amari Cooper, you say, what, what, what conference did he play in? It's just, you know, because I don't know what the best conference to draft mm. players in the, you know, NFL, what, where the good pros come out of. Well, I wouldn't take them from uh, the Pac-12, Pac-12 at night, that conference. It plays games at uh, midnight on the East Coast. Oh, my God, the Pac-12. All right, before we, well, yeah, so I guess for me on Rager, we got on the Justin Jefferson ramp. But, again, like the contested balls, some of the routes, uh, these one-on-one, like you talked about a couple podcasts back, the back shoulder fade when he should be getting led. I mean, there's just, and some of the film breakdown guys I follow on Twitter, they're not complimentary of him, like you said, finishing his, the routes or... His route running is just not It great. just seems like the mental part of the game isn't there for him, but he's supposed to be, you know, a coach's uh, former NFL player's kid. He's supposed to be a game-breaker, and we just haven't seen it much. And it just makes you wonder, will he develop? Well, and again, getting back to the great Dave Fipp, ever since Jalen Rieger ran a punt return for a touchdown, he's not been back to catch a punt since. So Crazy. Another person back in the old witness protection program. Seems like half the roster is these days. But let's look at a positive side. Just quick shout-out to three of the veterans on the team. Congratulations to Brandon Graham, number 55, for making his first Pro Bowl. You could tell it meant so much to him, his family, He's put in the work again. He's still stuck on seven sacks. He's been on seven sacks for a while. But he was having a tremendous year. So big ups to him, Fletcher, Kelsey, Rocks of the franchise. So um, I'm just very happy. On the Brandon Brandon Graham front, thank you for mentioning that. It's a great point. Let's not forget that a couple years ago, pre-Super Bowl, he was labeled as a bust. He was, I don't want to say almost run out of town, but... The fan base was ready to run him out of town, and he did nothing but put his head down. And I know somebody that went to Michigan when Brandon Graham was there. He played hockey. Um, Brandon Graham obviously was a stud for the Wolverine football team, but they work out then in the summers together, you know, back in Ann Arbor. And this was very early in Brandon Graham's career, and him and I would talk, and I would be like, yo, Brandon Graham, like, Eagles fans going crazy, this guy, like, he's got to get it to get. And he was always very complimentary of Brandon Graham, essentially, the the, the character. the Brandon yeah, Graham knew what was being said, and he was determined to make the most of his career, and, well, hell, he did. Well, then you honest. had that bozo, Chip Kelly, decide to change the personnel and bring in a 3-4 defensive coordinator in Billy Davis. And essentially, you made Brandon Graham an outside linebacker. Where, at Michigan, he's a 4-3 defensive end all day long. Yeah. And I really think that hurt a couple years of his career. Once sure. he got back to... It, it's hard. He doesn't say break. boo, either. No. You know? No. Apparently, he just made up with Jim Washburn. I mean, go figure. The wide nine? The wide nine. Apparently, they buried the hatchet. So all right, good I, for Brandon Graham. I got a topic for you that I had not broached you about beforehand. All and right. then I want to wrap things up with the Hurts-Wentz debate. And I got a stat of the day, because of course I do. Brotherly Love Podcast on Twitter, at Love Podcast. Joe Donald John, Mita with you. 
Um, I got a text from my guy Jimmy Jim Jim. Westchester Zone, University of Delaware alone, Jimmy Policcio. Text me during the game on Sunday. And I said, oh, I'm going to steal it. I love it. I'm going to steal it. I'm going to give you credit. We're going to talk about it on the podcast. And his text to me was, quote, I'm always amazed how the Eagles can coach up guys off the street, but not draft picks, end quote. It's, it's, it's telling. It's so telling. Look at the two cornerbacks that are starters elsewhere. Sidney Jones, Rasul Douglas. Like, they never seem to develop guys. And again, that's another reason why we're going to be in the driver's seat with some high picks here. This is another reason why to zip out the coaching staff and see if you can get this new coaching staff to come in and start developing this young town. Because it just, it just doesn't happen here. It doesn't happen. The only people that seem to get better is like Deuce Staley. I mean, he's done a nice job with coaching Miles Sanders. I mean, but other than that, you look at defensive backs when they when they finally got rid of Corey Unlin's ass and shipped into Detroit to become their defensive coordinator. I'm sure he'll be out of work in the next couple of weeks. But um, hey, well, he, he he brought up Greg Ward. He goes, you can make Greg Ward a serviceable wide receiver in the NFL, but you can't develop J. Jaw. Right. Uh, you can turn my lot into the top rated left tackle, right. but Dillard's a borderline bust. And he goes, it goes on and on. And I was like, Boston that's, Scott that's improves, but Miles Sanders can't pick up a block or run a screen. And then literally like at, four minutes later, I mean, Miles look, Sanders look, caught look, a song. Look at the linebacker, Alex Singleton. Yeah. You know, another guy. They, they've developed, seen a play. I mean, it, it's, it's mind-blowing. This team is such a mystery. But we know one thing. You need like where's fo- the disconnect there, right? Like as a fan base, that's that's the problem. We don't have some of these answers. We don't know. Is it Howie's fault? Is he trumping the scouts yes. and making the call on his own? Are yes. the scouts not good enough? Is it the position it's coaches? All, it's all is it Doug because they don't practice hard enough? Is it yeah. is it Lori because he's too meddling in things? So that's why there's dysfunction in the organization that just trickles down and prayer. I mean, that's the problem is the more these stories and issues that have arose throughout the year, the leaked reports, all this stuff, it's just the, it's the makings of a bad team. Yeah. You know, they can't get a call. They can't get out of their own way. The penalties, the mistakes. And then you just start to ask questions about fundamentally, what are they doing organizationally? Yeah. And well, when mean, we don't have those answers as fans and we're pointing fingers or we're spitballing, I think it becomes more frustrating. It's I mean, much Matt easier. Pryor, what was he? Was he a third-round pick? I hope not. Fourth? He fifth? stinks. I mean, the fact that you're talking... When you don't have those answers, right? Like it's, if you're talking hockey and there's just a bad goaltender, you're like, well, hell, the goalie stinks. We replace him, we'll be good, right? Like, if there was just one thing, boy, they got no pass rush. Okay, we got to add pass. But it's just so many things about this team that it just put. It's hard to put, really put your finger on. Uh, Johnny made it last. Last again, that's more just food, food for thought there. Like, if you're out there listening and you got an idea on why they can't develop some of these draft picks. We'd love to hear it. Anybody um, would love to hear it. Yeah. Including the people. Yeah, probably Howie Roseman and yeah. Doug Peterson. Poopy Peterson. Um, Johnny made it. This Hurts Wentz thing. I, I got a little rant, okay? And I took I, I jotted some stuff down, as I often do. And, I, and I'm just going to get into it, and then I want your take, okay? Do it. I find myself taking a, trying to take a step back on Jalen Hurts' success and not overreacting, all right? And I'm already sick of the Hurts and Wentz thing. I can't do it anymore. And I don't know that... I don't know if both are going to be on the roster, one's going to be on the roster, whatever. But all these stats you saw this week. Hurts is the first quarterback to do this. Hurts did this, Wentz has never done that before. You know, you can skew stats any way you want. Why are we forgetting about last season? 
why are we forgetting about five and seven, four straight wins, where Carson Wentz literally willed a bunch of boneheads, a bunch of guys off the scrap heap into the playoffs? I don't care how bad those teams were that they played against. They beat Dallas in a primetime game late Sunday afternoon, right before Christmas, a year ago today, or a year ago yesterday, whatever it was, and Dallas was healthy, and Dallas was the favorite. He was the first quarterback ever, 4,000 yards, no receiver with 500 yards, right? He got it done. Why are we forgetting about that and so quick to just shovel this dude, Glenn Macnell's been talking about on Twitter, just dumping dirt on his grave? I'm not saying Jalen Hurts hasn't been impressive. I'm not saying he's not going to be a star. I'm just saying wake up and check yourself a little bit. Wentz was awful this year. He needed to be benched. Hurts has provided a spark. But... Look at Monday Night Football. You watched the game. How did Big Ben look Monday night against the Bengals? Didn't look too great. Didn't look too great. He looked as uncomfortable as you could be as quarterback for large portions of that game. He was getting hit. His throws were errant. The pass rush was rattling. Oh, Cincinnati brought the wood. Just like Wentz for most of the year. Yeah. You know, I don't know how much this concussion in the playoff game last year affected him. Is he literally, is his brain mush, and, and so he's missing receivers and missing throws. But I, I looked to a couple of plays this year. The first half against Washington. I know it's a half of football. It was week one. He came out on fire. The throw to Boston Scott late in the Giants game to well, salvage that win. The throw to Fulgham in San Francisco to was Fulgham, a great throw. San Francisco. I mean, that, I mean, he put that where only... The Dallas game. I know he was terrible early, but he hit Fulgham in the end zone when he needed to to, to seal the win, to put him ahead. So it's not like he, he didn't have moments. They were just too inconsistent, and the mistakes never stopped, and the sacks and the lack of presence in the pocket never allowed him to get into a good rhythm, and the offense was putrid. He deserved to be benched. He deserved to be benched two weeks before they benched him. But I I just don't know why we have to go so overreaction crazy on Jalen Hurts after 10 quarters of football. It's it's too limited. We're going to see how he plays the next couple games. But listen. And you want to know one thing? I'll finish with this. this. Listen to it. One quick way for Jalen Hurts to work his way out of favor of Philadelphia fans. You know what that is? Lose to the Cowboys. Jalen Hurts doesn't beat the Cowboys on Sunday. And all of a sudden, 70% of his backers are going to be suing him to all hell. So... I don't know. Maybe, maybe Hurts is the guy that gets traded. Maybe they can get a first-round pick for Jalen Hurts. Listen, this is a, a quarterback-driven league. This is a starved quarterback-driven league. I mean, it, it's hard to name 15 good starting quarterbacks in this league, if you catch my draft. Here's the other thing, too. Like, Jalen, he's played well. I mean, he could be the future. The hard thing that I, that you know, and I'm going to say it again, and I know, like, Listen, the offensive line, he's had 13 different combinations in like 14 weeks. That's unheard of. I've never heard of that in the NFL. I've never seen one team have that many different combinations. And when they had that many different combinations, there were guys that shouldn't be playing. Yep. You know, case in point, Jason Peters is freaking cooked. That's it. He shouldn't have been playing right guard. He should have been playing left tackle. He should be playing LB. And I'm not talking about linebacker. Left bench. That's where he should have been. Then you, heart, you, you basically hindered the development of a guy like Jordan Maialata. Like, that guy should have been in there for weeks just getting the reps. Knowing that, okay, 
Maybe we found the heir apparent. If Dillard's not the answer, we found a great new young left tackle at a cheap rate. Yep. Hallelujah. But, again, and I go back with you. Like, his stats, like, and, and what he did to put the team on his back with this wide receiver group that I guarantee you nobody can name the starting five wide receivers from last year. 27 touchdowns, seven picks last year for Carson Wentz. Seven picks and over 4,000 yards with a group of no-namers. The other thing is, too... Now, all of a sudden, Doug wins to commit and run the football? Like, that's what I have a problem with. And I swear to God, I don't understand it. You know, everyone's like, get Wentz rolling out. You had Jeff McLean called Doug under the carpet. He's like, hey, Wentz is better when he rolls out of the pocket. Doug, you're going to roll him out the pocket this week? Uh, something I'll take a look at. Something I'll take a look at. And then never rolls him out once. All of a sudden, Jalen Hurts is on the move every direction. I, 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 don't, I don't get it. I mean, he, this is what it's really going to come down to. Bottom line is, these two guys can't coexist. How he created this, when he drafted, took that second-round pick, and listen, I look at it this way, it was kind of a discussion that we had off the cuff, is I think he just drafted Jalen Hurts as an insurance policy. If Carson Wentz has another, you know, game-ending, or, you know, basically a a game-ending injury, or no, season-ending injury. Yeah, all the above. You right? you have a you have a, a guy you have you have a guy you can bring in that you're going to feel comfortable with. Yeah. Other than Nate Sudfeld, who's you know just walking that clipboard around for four million a year. But I think that's what it came down to. I don't know. I know that they were very high on Russell Wilson. They missed out on him on that draft. Did that play into the role of drafting him? But Carson's pissed off. There's a story that got leaked. We, Joe and I really didn't touch on it. It says that he, if he's going to be relegated to the bench, he doesn't want to be here. So maybe it's. Do you have a be... problem with that? If it's true, if it's true, I do have a problem with it because you know what he needs to do is just shut up, be a good soldier, okay, and then leak the report after the end of the year to do it right when it happens. Listen, we know you're not happy. Anybody that goes from being a starting quarterback to relegated to the bench, nobody's going to be. If you're a competitor, you're not going to be happy yeah. about it, and we get that. But you just can't come out. It's a disservice to, to, to your coaches. It's a disservice to your other teammates. Be a good soldier, okay? Just be a good soldier. Take your salt. Eat some damn humble pie. And if, listen, if you're that pissed off and you're that angry about it, then you need to come in next season, next offseason, work your ass off and come back and claim what's yours. Because if you don't have that attitude, if you don't have that will, if you don't have that competitive spirit, then we don't need you on the football team, and then it's probably best if we both part ways with you. Are you sick of the controversy already? Are you sick of the debate? Well, of Are you sick I of mean, who's on whose side? Because yeah. I'm done. Like I literally, no, I can't I just, do it anymore. You know, listen again. I, I I've been preparing for let's get the draft cards ready for for weeks now. Again, do I want the Eagles to beat Dallas? Absolutely. Okay, I hate Dallas. Dallas sucks. I get it. But again, I mean, we need a complete overhaul and. Again, I feel like if Doug wins two these two games, I think that means he still might be here next year. And it, we're going to bring back the old boys network just like they do in Congress every year. I'm sick of that crap too. Like, break it up. Let's start over. We got some young pieces that I think we can build around, but I'm all about the fire sale. And I hate to say it, when I say fire sale, that could be Zach Ertz, that could be Fletcher Cox, that yeah. could be whoever's making a serious amount cheaper, of money that has... Assets. 
That's it. Again, yeah. but then, you know, oh, and then the other off-the-cuff thing we need to talk about is John Dorsey's been a consultant on this football team. The former general manager of the Cleveland Browns that kind of snuck that one in the door the last couple of weeks. Why would kept... he be consulting anything uh, other yeah. than, like, his 401k? I, that guy's I, brutal. Uh, yeah, general which manager. is a lot of gum. He's like, <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, so. Stat of the day. Let's hear it. The Eagles have lost. Their last six games against other bird teams. So Cardinals, Falcons, Seahawks, etc. You pick your bird, the birds have lost their last six to other bird teams. How's that, John Mita? All right. Can I get you going? I got another good stat of the day. Bring it on. All right. Stat of the day. Entering week 15, DeAndre Hopkins had 1,155 receiving yards. The Eagles top three receivers, 1,140. So DeAndre Hopkins is outproduced. Just yardage, the Eagles' top three receivers by himself. But Howie wouldn't give up a second-round pick for him. Nah, no, because he had to save that second-round pick, draft Jalen Hurts, and That's start this goddamn fire That's to begin with. That's what it was. Oh. You can go for a receiver like D-Hop. I know I can. He's my favorite. He is uh, He is a tough, tough man to cover, tough man to handle. He is a beast, absolutely. All right, wrapping up the Brotherly Love podcast. Again, Merry Christmas. Happy Holidays. Johnny Media, it was fun to do this in person. Again, thanks, Keith, Michael, 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 Michaels, for uh, the room usage, and hopefully the audio was okay, considering we're just sitting in a spare bedroom. We will sign off with the following. Nothing but greatness, baby. And this is going to play off my phone, so this is going to be very ghetto. Little Sixers, baby, the theme song. Here they come. 10, 9, 8, 76 <laughs> All right, Johnny, made a good stuff as always, brother. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll try to get this up quickly, and uh, hopefully you can uh, tune in uh, before we beat Dallas's ass on Sunday. Go Birds. Dallas sucks. Eagles win 73-7. to Perch throws for 16 touchdowns. Sixers win by 50. Till next time. Happy New Year. See you 2020. You sucked. And until next time, we'll see you.